Well, Friday was a bad day in many ways, particularly in the United States with equities well down, commodities down. It pushed up the US dollar, which hurt the Aussie dollar. And yet there wasn't any event or piece of news that would drive this concern, aside from, of course, the horrific turn of events in India. But the US data is largely positive. So why such a bad day? Just month end? We'll look at that today. Plus the rogue Fed member who wants to taper sooner. Europe's double-dip recession may not be as bad as it sounds. And a quick look ahead to the RBA tomorrow. Is there going to be any taper talk? It's Monday, the 3rd of May, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So a belated welcome to May. Last month finished with the US dollar rising sharply on Friday up 0.75%, but over the month down more than 2%, while the Aussie dollar down 0.6% on Friday to below 77.2 US cents, but over the month up almost 1.6%. And US stocks uh, might have finished on a bit of a fizzer, down 0.9% for the NASDAQ on Friday, 0.7% down for the S&P 500, just over half a percent for the Dow. But look, over the month, they're all up over 4% in fact for the uh, S&P 500 and 3.6% for the Nasdaq. Even the FTSE 100 had a good month last month, gaining uh, almost 3.5%, well above the Eurostoxx 50, or the ASX 200, which climbed 2.9% last month, having fallen uh, 0.8% on Friday. So Friday was a bad day. To get that impression, uh, oil was down too, almost 2% off Brent, 2.2% off WTI, but very little movement in bonds. 10-year treasuries uh, slid 10 basis points over the month, though, so there's early fears that we'd see them keep rising clearly unfounded for now so why such a bad end to the month well let's talk to tapa strickland direct economics for markets and nab in sydney i mean it, it, it generally it was good news on friday wasn't it so it wasn't the news so for, the, for the united states the michigan consumer sentiment index a bit higher than expected chicago pmis higher than expected core pce more or less what was expected maybe a little bit higher deaths from covid are coming down in the last few weeks but uh, i mean now they're as low as they were last summer we've got a daily average of about 710, which is uh, about 9% of the number of deaths you'd expect at this time of the year. They've got 243 million vaccine doses, uh, so nothing to frighten the horses there. And yet, Tapas, equities down, the US dollar up, commodities sinking. Why all this concern? Or is it just end-of-the-month positions being sorted out, do you think? Hey, good morning, Phil. Yes, I think it was more due to the end-of-month rebalancing flows. And I guess the real question is whether the selling we saw on Friday continues into early May. And just worth noting here that the S&P 500 is currently up 11% for the year and trading 14% above its 200-day moving average. And 15% above that 200-day moving average is one technical sign of uh, the equity market being a little bit overextended. And over the past week, although equities have been unchanged, uh, so far a record 87% of S&P 500 companies have beat earnings estimates. Uh, and earnings look to be growing by more than 46% year on year, um, no doubt way exaggerated by the uh, pandemic effects um, early last year. Yeah, and I guess, um, of course. Perhaps adding to that sense of some cautiousness around the pace of increase in uh, stocks over the past year is that, that you're starting to see some of those bell bell with the name starting to, to, to peter out and data from um, EPFR shows investors have moved about $57 billion in cash in the US for the week to Wednesday, uh, which also coincided with relatively low flows into equity. So uh, a little bit of cautiousness, you'd have to say, developing on the sidelines in terms of equities. Uh, but mm. it, at this stage, it looks like more due to month-end rebalancing flows. But we'll be watching that very closely. And the old adage of uh, sell up in May and go away and whether that 
how it comes <laughs> to be true this year as well. We'll find out, won't we? Well, uh, and look, as I said, the indicators, though, generally were very good, weren't they? The Chicago PMI uh, was another one, though, showing the cost of materials is, is shooting up, uh, which is, you know, the reason, obviously, the Fed's been given uh, for not expecting to be too concerned about uh, any rise in inflation. So core PCE, a bit higher than expected, but no no cause for concern. No, no, no real cause of concern there. And just worth noting that Chicago PMI, I think it's the highest since December 1983, and the prices paid uh, is uh, at a 41-year high. So um, some yeah. suggesting of price and inflation pressures creeping through the US economy. That core PC deflator was flattered a little bit by financial services charges and fees, which tend to be pretty volatile, and that's likely to settle down uh, in the next uh, few months. But uh, that under underlying story about inflation fears creeping up, uh, I think will be a continuing narrative uh, that will be operating in markets. And you talked about US Treasury yields in your introduction, and although they were unchanged on on the day, uh, US Treasury yields have risen by six basis points over the past week, and that six basis point increase uh, is almost fully reflected in the uh, implied inflation break-even rising by 6.5 basis points to 2.41%. So, uh, the market is clearly has some inflation jitters out there and the press reports are also playing into that. And a weekend FT article noted uh, Nestle, Unilever, Rickett, uh, Beckinser had raised prices in Q1. And uh, Rodrigo mentioned last week that Procter & Gamble and Kimberly-Clark were also announcing uh, price increases to start later in the year as well. Yeah, so it will it, it will flow through. Yeah, exactly. Look, we uh, while we're talking about consumer spending, so we had a 21.1% surge in personal income in the United States in March. These are numbers from the Commerce Department on Friday, thanks to the stimulus checks, of course. But only, this is the interesting part, only a 4.2% increase in the purchase of goods and services. So people are either getting ready to make uh, considered decisions or they're hoarding their handouts, which uh, I guess that was always going to be the risk. But, I mean, there is this expectation that they are going to spend it and it's going to be a, a bumper next quarter. Uh, yes, that's right. And I, th- I think that's the uncertainty there is uh, to what extent households save uh, those stimulus checks and uh, mm-hmm. allocate that towards repayment of debts acquired uh, during the, the, the pandemic. I think most people are expecting a pretty bumper Q, Q2 GDP figure. And on the back of that, a number of economists have upgraded their growth at, um, outlooks. And that's quite important in, in terms of the Fed. So the Fed's Kaplan was on the wires uh, on Friday, and he forecast the unemployment rate in the US to fall to 4% by the end of the year uh, from its current 6%. And just worth noting that 4% is pretty much where the Fed assesses full employment at. So that could have implications in terms of the Fed's uh, policy stance if the unemployment rate does fall that way. It could also have implications for the success of uh, uh, Joe Biden getting his stimulus plans through as well, because, you know, why the sense of urgency if the economy is doing so well? Uh, in, indeed. And we've been speaking about uh, the Democratic senator mentioned for some weeks. And uh, on the mm. in the weekend in a uh, press interview, he continued to push back on the need to pass uh, Biden's infrastructure package in a rushed in, in a rushed way. And he still is advocating for a lower spending envelope. So, uh the $4 trillion or so worth of extra stimulus that uh, President Biden has flagged as a possibility, that still looks like it's going to be pretty hard fought in order to get past the Senate this time of the uh, midterm election. And you mentioned the Fed, you know, what they're going to do. So we had Robert Kaplan from the, from the Dallas Fed, very worried about the price of assets, in particular housing and uh, stocks and uh, tight credit spreads. He was saying on Friday... Uh, that uh, you know they should ta- talk about tapering their bond buying at the earliest opportunity, and also you know that they probably need to start raising interest rates next year. Uh, so that is very much out of kilter 
with the party line from the Fed. Did did we see any impact from that on the markets? I guess that would that will have influenced the US dollar a bit on Friday. Yes, so it did um, help the US dollar uh, lift a little bit and uh, perhaps weighed a little bit on equities as well. It didn't have too much of an impact in terms of yields. And I think at least for the moment, the Treasury market is taking Chair Powell at his word. And Chair Powell uh, has mm. said previously it would take a string of months of job creation of about a million a month to achieve the substantial progress required to justify tapering QE. And that's reflective of payrolls being 8.4 million below pre-pandemic levels. <clears throat> but if the unemployment rate were to fall uh, and fall down to 4% by the end of the year, then I think you'd have to see the Fed also uh, changing their line. So all this tapering talk really comes back to how you see the US economy bouncing back. And what we have seen across most developed markets is where you do have virus control, you see a very sharp rebound in economic activity. And one illustration of that is in the UK, where it's reported that uh, pubs are running at, out of beer because people are just so keen to get out and about again. <laughs> Even though, you know, in the evening there, it's getting down to freezing and you still can't go into pubs. You've got to sit in the beer garden. You've got to be pretty keen, haven't you, to drink alcohol uh, in uh, in those sorts of temperatures but uh yeah we'll we'll see uh so look those just back to the u.s uh job numbers clearly are very important now aren't they so non-farm payrolls on friday we're expecting a million i mean they've got eight they're eight million down so even if they do hit a million a month you know, as Jerome Powell's been saying, it's uh, they've still got ways to, uh, a way to go, haven't they? Yes, yes, that's right. But I think it's possible that you could get more than a million a month, just given a lot of the job losses that were seen in the US were, were temporary by nature and were in the services industry and uh, conceivably could come back online a lot quicker. And that's similar to what we saw in Australia as well. So if we did get a much hotter number on Friday, then I think more investors will be start pondering how long the Fed can stay on hold. Uh, and uh, we'll probably see more Fed officials coming out uh, and saying that they probably need to um, tinker with their policy settings. And I guess it just reiterates, it's really about the economy that determines whether um, the, the timing of asset uh, tapering. And also at the end of last week, uh, a double dip recession for Europe, which sounds like a, a great newspaper headline, but really, it, I mean, it was a relatively small 0.6% drop in GDP, wasn't it, in, in Q1. We've got to remember that they had a 12.5% increase in Q3 last year. And it's really the, the relative position at the end of all of this that counts, isn't it, really? But, uh, you know, and, and Europe, particularly Germany, will, you know, at some point recover quite well, presumably. Yes, that that's right. And markets are very much still looking towards the other side of the pandemic. And with uh, further US stimulus looking like it's going to be on the back burner for now uh, and the vaccination path picking up in, in Europe, then I think markets are going to mm. start pivoting more towards that European rebound story. And uh, just to give you some illustration uh, for why uh, markets are pricing that, uh, there's some data released in, in the UK, so not part of the euro area, but... They were noting that UK may have reached herd uh, immunity against COVID-19 with the uh, Office of National Statistics noting that an estimated 7 in 10 adults uh, would have tested positive for antibodies against the coronavirus, either due to being infected or due to vaccines. And they are still, obviously, rolling it out at a heck of a pace as well. Uh, Look, it's a quiet day for numbers today. The uh, ISM manufacturing later on, presumably that's going to be fairly positive, but... uh, uh, everything else has been lately, uh, but maybe we should look at the RBA very quickly tomorrow. What's your take on that? Will will that have any influence on the markets? Are we expecting anything extraordinary? So not expecting anything extraordinary out of the 
post-meeting statement on Tuesday, but we'll be looking quite closely at a speech uh, that Deputy Governor DeBell uh, is talking on on Thursday on monetary policy during COVID and also to the uh, statement on monetary policy forecast on Friday as giving some guidance on whether the RBA will extend that YCC target from the April 2024 bond to the November 2024 bond and whether they will continue QE at $100 billion every six months. Uh, NAB's view is that they won't extend the uh, the, the YCC target um, and keep the YCC target at the April 2024 bond. And uh, key, key to that view will be really about where the RBA sees core inflation across their forecast horizon and uh, whether they can forecast uh, core inflation being sustainably within that 2 to 3% target band. We've also got Norge Bank and uh, the Bank of England as well later on in the week. Uh, before we go very quickly, so there's uh, a report from Deloitte. It's in the AFR this morning. Uh, Deloitte's uh, estimate that the budget is going to be $98 billion better than expected uh, next week. No doubt helped by iron ore, but also more tax revenue. You know, on, the, on tax, I'm surprised the government, you know, if it really wants to boost spending out of the pandemic, they don't bring forward those stage three tax cuts i mean i I guess it's more costs but uh you know you'd also hope it would hope it would help boost gdp otherwise why would you be doing it yeah there's a lot of uh talk about uh, whether they will do that or 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 not it's it's also worth noting that the uh, government is going to take a pretty conservative iron ore price assumption Uh, so the iron ore price currently hovering around that two two hundred dollars a ton mark and uh, the government tends to take a long run view of about fifty five dollars a ton so it's likely you'll get revenue um, upside surprises over the next year as well Uh, in terms of the headline budget forecasts uh they're the forecast by Deloitte Access is broadly in line with what we're thinking around the budget, being around about $165 billion deficit for 2020-21, which would be significantly lower than the $197.7 billion that they were expecting just a couple of months ago. And importantly, the 2021-22 deficit coming in about 87 billion dollars against i think it was about 108 billion dollars previously penciled in. Mm. Um, that also has potential implications for the RBA's QE program. And uh, there is already some talk in the market about the RBA's QE program being a bit too aggressive and uh, perhaps impacting on market functioning. Right. So tapering sooner might be the case yes. for Australia as and, well. Um, Flavour of the month. And then interesting, and then interesting, you're talking about the Bank of England. Uh, the Bank of England is also um, expected to taper its asset purchases either in May or June. So wherever you look at it, uh, the improving uh, rebound uh, that we're seeing in, in developed markets where you have virus control is seeing markets starting to question the uh, adequacy of those policy right. settings. Right, great. Well, very interesting to watch that over the next few weeks then, isn't it? Great to talk, Tapas. Uh, we've spoken long enough. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks for your time. Uh, great. Thanks, Phil. Interesting stuff. That's it for the morning call for this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby, back again with NAB tomorrow morning. See you then. <laughs> 